Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jeff Stanfield with the Big Honker Podcast, and I would like to thank our newest sponsor, Dive Bomb Industries. If you're wanting a silhouette, you need to look these guys up. These are field-tested and proven with my guide staff. We use them day in and day out, all kinds of weather, all kinds of conditions. They are the bomb. That's Dive Bomb Industries. Look them up on the internet. Thank you very much. And this is Andy Shaver, and thank you for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. We really appreciate it. I say this every time. I'm going to say it again. Make sure that you have subscribed to the podcast. That way it goes right to your phone. You hear it every time we release a new one. Also, I say this every time. Make sure that you have followed us on all of our social media accounts. Facebook, Instagram, Stanfield Hunting Outfitters is where you can find us. Or you can find me personally at Instagram at Andy underscore Shaver. And Jeff's is at jstanfield 68 Now, on this episode of the podcast, Jeff and I talk about the highs and the lows of waterfowl season. We hunt from the first weekend in November to about the first weekend in February, seven days a week. Seven days a week, I'll say it again, that is a grind and it wears on you. So we discuss kind of our mindset that we have to get us through waterfowl season. Uh, You know, there are some extremely high highs and then there are a couple lows Every year, doesn't matter how good the hunting's going, you're going to go through a rut. So we talk about how we get through the grind that is waterfowl season. It's an interesting episode, interesting take on things, so we hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I'm Andy Shaver. Happy to have you. Hope y'all are having a wonderful, wonderful day. It's a little warm here in the Big KC. We're at Studio B in Knox City. Andy, how's your day been going? Hot. Been hanging sheetrock all fucking day. You ready for hunting season to get here? Whew. At least dove season or teal season or something. But this, for those of you who don't know, my wife and I, baby number two is on the way, and we're converting our garage into a master suite. And it's about to kill me. Slowly. Death of a thousand cuts. Yeah, that's. I hate summertime. I do. I cannot stand it. June, July, and August are miserable. Not just the weather, but just there's nothing. I just rave for football season and hunting season. Best time of the year starts September 1. Get your little dicky-doo beating fantasy football, too. That ain't going to happen. Let's 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 talk a little bit of talking to your. Am talking, I doing it again? Just tilt it just a little bit. Up there, there you. How's go. that go? That's better. I get a message every week from someone, or every day we do three podcasts a week, and someone every every week some or every episode someone says, "Hey, it sure is funny listening to Andy get on to you about the microphone." It's an everyday deal. Uh-huh. We're fixing to get some new mic stands. We're, we're learning this business. This has been a this has been a fun 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 seven weeks for us, and it's growing like crazy. And I'd like to thank everyone for sharing it, and keep sharing it. Spread the word on it. Nobody sent me any messages. Yeah, please, someone message Andy. Please, it don't matter who it is. It's been like three or four days since I've gotten a message. They're all messaging me. Everybody's messaging Jeff now. 
Everybody's messaging him about sponsorships and everything else. Nobody's nobody sent Andy anything. Andy's not feeling the love. This is but, the- but what's bad is like a couple weeks ago, I was getting them every day. And then last week, I think it was last Monday or Tuesday, was the last one I've gotten. Everybody's messaging you now. Oh, they know the smart guy. I guess so. Let's let's talk about this because now we're going through the off-season lows and the blues, I guess. But being an outfitting business, it's a high-low situation, ups and downs. But you're living the dream. This is what you signed up for. And I wouldn't change my life for anything. Right. Well, I'd have a lot more money. I used to tell people all the time that there was only one person in the world I would have changed places with, and that was Tiger Woods before all the porn stuff came out. Now you wouldn't, knowing all that, or what? Whoa. He's had his ass beat by his wife with a golf club a couple of times. No, I wouldn't want to go through that. I don't, think, like I don't, I don't, I don't think you're talking into your microphone again. Again? Here we there go. There you go. He got his ass beat by his, wife, by his wife with a golf club. No, I wouldn't want to go through all that shit. Oh. I'd like to have his bank account. Superficial. What's superficial? Him. You know one thing that we didn't do before we get off onto this highs and lows that we're going to talk about? What's we didn't that? pick a winner. Oh, we sure didn't. For the Quill, Quill Lake uh, one. So... Let me look up. You do your little rant about the highs and lows, and I'll look up and see the entry, the entries, and all that other good I stuff. I need to send tumblers to the last two winners. Yeah, too. you do, bub. Well, I've been busy. I've been I've been out of pocket. So I will if if you're listening to this, and I'm sure you are. If you got to want a tumbler, I will be sending you your tumblers, and I will send this one. I'll do all three of them at the same time. So whoever wins this in a minute, send me a message, and I'll get them all in the mail tomorrow. Highs and lows of being an outfitter. The best day of the year and the worst day of the year are not very far apart usually. The best day of the year is when everybody's happy and has good limits, which usually makes everybody happy. The worst day of the year is the day when you still don't kill. You don't Usually the worst day of the year is just some horse's ass client. It doesn't have to be the hunting's even bad. But it's still hunting and having a good time, and you're thankful for the job you have. One of the, the best days of my life ever in this business was I had a guy hunt with me. This wasn't the best day, but this was a really good day. Last year, excuse me just a minute. I had to have a Coors Light. I had a guy, maybe that's who when he gives a sponsor. Ooh. So I had a guy on a hunt last year with me, and he had, his, he had his boys, and he was fighting cancer, and it was terminal cancer. And he'd come out and got to hunt with them, and he had the greatest outlook on life. I mean, he knew he wasn't going to – don't know how he's been. I hadn't heard nothing from him from a long time, but super, super nice guy. Brought his boys out on a hunt. It may be the last time they ever got to go together, but he was just so thankful about being there and watching the sun come up and listening to the birds and watching the birds work. And I thought, man, this guy, he, he gets it. And it's a shame it's towards the end when you get it because some of the people don't ever get it. Uh-huh. They, they take for granted how wonderful being in the outdoors is. Not this guy. I mean, to watch the sun come up every morning. I man. guided him on, on the hunt, and he said, I don't care how we do. He said, we're going to see birds, I know. But he said, I just want to watch the sun come up one more day with my boys. He said, and if I get to pull the trigger, I get to pull the trigger. But he said, it's going to be a great day regardless of how we do because I'm with people that I care about, and I'm out in nature. We ended up actually doing pretty good that day, so. Just a cherry on top, though. Yeah, just a just a but but his attitude towards it all, and then with dad being sick, 
and, and dad is going to be listening to this coming in. He's got chemo this week, so he's going to Wichita to get chemo, and he'll listen to it on the radio coming in. I mean, I take for grant, I've taken for granted all them years of dad screwing stuff up and not being on time and me and him squabbling about little things that really didn't matter that nowadays don't, it's, you know, it's just so much different. And, and that's what people don't realize is that we take for granted so many things that are blessings to us. Like talking into the in microphone. microphone. Gosh dang, this damn microphone. Well, you keep turning your head. Well, I can't help it. You don't have to talk to me. I know. It's just a habit. When you talk to people, you're supposed to look them in the eye. Well, the, the way our setup is. Yes. I do not like it, Studio B. I like Studio A a lot better. Anyways. But yes, it, but I think that's that's just human nature, though. Uh, you know, it's kind of like when you see the red and blues in the back of your, in the back of your uh, cars, and you're like, oh, shit. And then you slow down. You drive the speed limit, and then the cop car goes past you. And you speed right back up. And then you speed right back up because crisis has been averted. So you know it's just you gotta you gotta make the most of every little moment because it really could it could go like that. Every every hunting season though, we we have some situation like that with someone. It's a they'll, they'll come in and say, hey, you know, so and so is has got cancer real bad, and it's it's always cancer. It seems like, and well, that's usually the only thing you know you're going to die from before you die. And but we go through a lot of that, and we've lost a lot of good clients over the years with cancer and stuff. Or I'll have a group that'll show up, and there'll be ten guys sitting at a table, and usually there's twelve, and I'll be like, "Where's, where's Leroy? Oh, Leroy passed away three months ago." And it's always sad. You, you, it's just a, it's but 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 back to we're getting way off tangent here on the hunt and the highs and lows of the season. The high part to me is happy customers, happy customers, and but. I really enjoy a happy customer that's enjoying it for the right reason. Not just the limit of birds, but enjoys being time with his family and loved ones and friends because that's the most important part of this. Mm-hmm. And, and speaking of lows, I had a group last year that shot a limit of birds. And they were done. It was a big hunt, big group. They killed, you know, 50 to 100 birds. I don't remember exactly how many they had. But it was a full limit, done early, done in an hour. And Blake was the guide. And Blake had hunted them the day before, and they, they killed half a limit. It was a hard day, no wind, just just hunting. It's, what's, it's what it is. It's hunting, and people lose sight of that it is hunting. Even if you're with an outfitter or, or you go by yourself, you're still hunting a wild animal. And they'd done half-ass that day on killing, but it was Blake worked his ass off. So Blake got done and got the limit and loading up, and I'm at the field, and we're loading the last little bit up. And that guy goes over and tells Blake, he said, you did a good job today, Blake. Today only. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That I'll, I'll never forget that he he came in. Said you know what this fucking guy said? Said you did a good job today, Blake. You didn't do a good job though. You know implied that Blake didn't do worth shit the other couple of days. But so how do you manage the lows of of being? Because you know we're in Texas. We're in you know we do some hunting in southern Oklahoma also. Not uh not the wettest climate that you'll ever run into. So a lot of your uh, a lot of your income is based on what Mother Nature does. And if it doesn't rain and there's no water for the waterfowl, so what I'm getting at is how do you manage the low points? You've been doing this 25 years, so there had to be some, you know, we, we went through the drought of 2011. How did you get through the bad times? Well, if, as long as I've been doing it, I've dealt with the bad and the good for a long time. You take the good for granted for years. Then when it got bad for a couple of years, you you really realized how much how good you took it for granted. Um, there's, I think a lot of it has to do with I know I can't control Mother Nature, 
And I used to really get worked up and worried about that. I mean, a thunderstorm would go the wrong way or birds would get bumped out of a field by a crop duster or things that you just couldn't control used to consume me. And one day I woke up and it, didn't, it don't consume me no more. There's nothing you can do about it. The things you can control, the food, the way you talk to people, the way you treat people, that is more – the things you can control I worry about more than the things I don't control. I can't control. So if – so if we have a bad hunt and the guy comes in pissed off, I mean, what do you try to do? I mean, how do you break it down to the guy to where <clears throat> to where it makes sense in his mind? You know, he, he just spent X amount of dollars on it, and it didn't work out in his favor. If it's something that – I try to make, make it right with everyone. I try to be fair. I want return customers, and I always have. And that's my, my goal, and I strive for repeat business. And repeat business sometimes means you got to take it on the chin sometimes. And I've, I've had guys been here before that didn't fire a shot. It didn't happen very often, but if it does, I'm going to have them come back on me. I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, you, hey, you've done a guided hunt. We fed you, we lodged you, we put you up, we took you on a hunt. And whatever the situation was, we zeroed. It hasn't happened many times, but it does happen. But, I mean, it happens, and it happens to every hunter. And any hunter that tells you, oh, I've never gone out, blah, 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 never, never not fired a shot, you had not been doing it long enough. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hunting and things because, change. Because, you know, and, you know, I, I, I turkey hunt a lot on my own. And there's days, there's stretches where, you know, you don't hear, you don't see something, and it's just as part of it. But so, but what do you do? I mean, you have to have a mindset going in. I mean, are you just even kill about everything? Like, if we do great, great. If not. Basically, that's kind of the way I do it now. And I used to, I mean, I'm sure I changed. I'm different about, I'm sure I've changed over the years, but I I expect us to do well every day. And the reality is sometimes you're not going to do well, but we work hard regard. Matter of fact, we work harder on bad days than we do on good days. A great, great hunt that's over in 30 minutes, you don't work near as hard as you do when it's, and you, you know that. It takes zero effort. Yes. And, and there are days like that in But you get people that expect it because we get people that book the same days every year. And some days, it seems like certain days on the calendar are good every year, no matter what happens. That's a great day. And I've got customers that still have never had a bad hunt. And they they expect it. And and what's funny is is they seem like real hunters, some of them. And then you'll have a bad hunt with one of them, and they're like, whoa, what's going on? And then you lose your whole respect for them as an outdoorsman on the way they act. And then I've had people that have had really bad hunts that have the best attitudes. Right. And are lifetime customers keep coming. You know, they come back and come back and come back. But if they have a bad hunt, it's, hey, it's hunting. But That's what sucks for me is, like, when you you get to know this guy, and say you go three or four years, and you just burn them up at everything that you do. And you're like, yeah, you know, this guy, he's really, really cool. I really like him. He's an outdoorsman like me. He gets the game. And then that one year where it's warm weather, uh, full moon, you know, something something in the, in the universe is out of whack, and we have a bad hunt, and then he's the first one bitching and complaining. You just lose such respect for that guy because you're like, you know what? I, for these three or four years, I thought you were on my level – and understood the same things that I understand. And then now it's like, fuck, you were just a fraud the whole time. Yeah, real hunters, they sure thin out pretty quick. And and the full moon is a, is, a, is a very good example. You can have a super hot field, be on the X, set up on the X, and the full moon, during the full moon time, that don't always matter. 
They may no. go completely. And, and I don't think guys that don't hunt that often realize what the difference the full moon makes. Yeah. And they'll be like, well, what's the difference? Oh, you come for 10 years. Well, you change your dates a little bit. The full moon happened right now at this time, and it's just a full moon cycle. Well, why didn't you tell me? Well, we're, we book up every single day. You want the same days. It Tomorrow it might be a full, you know. If you get a full moon in December and it's hot, it can make a big difference. If you get a full moon in December and it's 25 degrees and snowy and cold and miserable, full moons sometimes don't play much of an effect on it in December. Right. Well, I, yeah. So what do you think What do you think the full moon does? Do you think it messes with their brain waves or is yeah. it the feeding, more feeding at night? I think it's got to do more probably with a magnet with the moon. Because you always hear like, you know, um, some of my good friends are paramedics and they work in, in the medical industry and they're like, if it's a full moon, we're going to be busy as shit tonight because it, I don't know, something in, something in the universe is just out of kilt and, but they can, they can mark it on their calendar. And if a full moon happens on a Friday night, they really know they're going to be busy in the ER. Yeah. It, it works out with the police department. Our cops are a lot busier on Friday nights and we and Saturday or full moon nights than we are during regular nights. People are just batshit crazy. Some of them, usually the redheaded women, but somebody's batshit so, crazy. So do you think? So you think it's something in the goose's in the bird's brain? I, I think so. That's I think different. It, I think something changes. I don't think we understand what it is, but the full moon definitely changes. It, There's definitely something there. This isn't just an outfitter making an excuse. There's no. definitely 100 percent in 25 years of doing this. Something goes on during the full moon. Yes, every every time it's complete. And and it's funny the birds will be. And I see it every year, especially if we have a first or second year guide here. He'll be like, "God dang, I just forgot what I was doing." I guess I don't. I completely don't know what the hell is going on. And boom, like a light switch, well, everything worked perfect today. And then boom, the next day it works perfect. And boom, the next day it works perfect. Yeah. And then he thinks he's Einstein. <laughs> You know, he was doing the same thing he was doing before, but the moon, the moon definitely changes it. And I think on the highs and lows of the seasons we're talking about, that when you get people that hunt on a full moon and it goes bad, maybe they're crazy sometimes too. Maybe that's why they act that way. Might be. So how do you manage the highs? We've talked about you managing the lows. You always try to do right by the customer. I mean, as an outfitter, that this is what I'm trying to get. This is what I'm trying to drive home is like, how do you, when you go on that seven-day run of being done at 730 – I mean, does that kind of make you feel like Superman? How do you manage that that high that you get? I always feel it like it this way. Like I told you guys last year on a seven-day run, it's fixing to be over. <laughs> you know, because you know it's not going to last forever. So you're just waiting for the for the crash and No, nah, I'm not waiting for it. I don't I don't worry about it. There's nothing I can do about it. I probably used to. I remember one time at, at, at Christmas break, we were fixed to have Christmas break. It was a day or two, so it was had to be December 21, 22, 20, 23, where it depends on where the weekend or that the Christmas Eve falls on how many days we take off. And Wayne, Coach Hutch, friend of ours, head football coach at Lubbock Monterey, damn good guy. Anyways, he was he saw one of my guides in town. He said, Hey, how y'all doing? And Dave Reese told him, he said, Oh, it's been a good year. And he said something. I said, Well, Jeff kind of seemed stressed out the other day. And and Dave, I remember this because Wayne he told me, Dave said, well, I don't know why he's stressed out for. He said, we've shot a limit every day by 9 o'clock with every group this year so far. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that that year if I was if I was stressed out or worried that much. I'm sure there's other things that I'm stressed out. Dad might have been late two or three times in a row on some pheasant hunts. That bothers right. me. Uh, the Cisco truck might have been late with food. The lady's cleaning the rooms. I mean, there's other things I worry about. But So I, I don't know exactly what I worry about. Uh, hunting is not really something I, I worry about the hunting. Because that's what we do, 
but I don't worry about it's things we can't control as much anymore. So basically your outlook is we're going to scout and we're going to go, we're going to find the best possible solution and then the chips are going to fall where they fall. Yes, because you can't control them. Because anything beyond that, anything beyond getting on the, the, the good field is out of, out, of the, out of your control. That's right. And, and the same with the customers. If I've got a customer that complains and we busted our ass and did everything we can, I try to explain to them. And I try to make friends with everybody and say, hey, listen, you know. Now, if we screw something up, then I'll tell the guy, hey, it's our fault. And that don't happen very often. I mean, I, I, we screw up every day on something, but most people don't know it. Right. But if something blatantly happens that's our fault, and, we, and we've had that happen, every outfitter has if they run many hunters, then you got to man up and, and, and be responsible for what happened. And I expect that with other businesses I do. If I do business with somebody and your employees screw something up, then you should be accountable for it. Yeah. I guess what's so hard is we get guys that their whole life, their occupation and everything, it's just – it's it's results 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 and if you're not if you're not performing at this level then you're a loser or you know whatever the case may be but their whole life is it it revolves around results and you know there's so many things in this game that are beyond our control i mean you know if you wake up one morning and the, and the geese decide that they're going to fly a mile away I can't control that. They were in the field the night before. I mean, anything beyond that is just an act of God at this point. And a lot of people have a hard time, you know, facing the fact that there are, you know, this this is a wild bird and some things are truly beyond beyond our control. You're all, you're on a guided hunt, but you're still dealing with a wild wild animal. Yeah, it's 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 they don't and, and there's a lot of clients that do. The most, guy, I think most of them do, but I think it's just that guy that is just, it's all about results and, you know, this is the ladder to success and all that other bullshit that has a hard time accepting the fact that you're dealing with something that has a mind of its own. My, my favorite groups are guys that bring kids, whether they're a six-year-old kid that's not shooting, he's just laid in the spread with his dad, or if it's a 25-year-old kid that's, in co- that's finished college on his own that's with his dad and his grandpa or whatever. I love family groups like that and kids. And, and, and you want to see them succeed more than anything. But most times those groups are more about spending time together. Yeah. The hunting is icing on the cake to them. The hunt is not, but the actual to shoot a full limit. And me personally, if I was on a hunt, I would much rather my hunt last three or four hours and shoot 70 to 80% of a limit than to shoot a full limit and be done in 30 minutes. Right. Me too. I mean, but that's a lot, a lot more enjoyable. You get a lot more time. And I've noticed the guys, and, and I've noticed that over the years, guys that come into the lodge, you know, and they're having lunch, and the guys that shoot out real quick, they always have a good time. We always shot a limit. But the guys have more stories to tell that have shot three-quarters of a limit or a limit and got done at the very end. Because when, there's a struggle there. And there's kind of a, you know, you really build a camaraderie when you shoot – because here's the deal. If you, if you shoot three-quarters of, of a limit, odds are, as a guide, I've had to change something. And something has not gone. We've had to work for it, basically, is what I'm saying here. You shoot a limit in 30 minutes, I'm telling you, you look like a genius, but there is you could stick one of those evolved monkeys that I talked about on one of the last podcasts that everybody let me down on. I only got three messages, so thank you to all my fans who didn't have my back on it. I now owe a steak dinner. It's a monkey. <clears throat> you could take a you could take one of those evolved chimpanzees that just 
chiseled his name out of a rock, stick a, a goose call in his hands, and he's going to shoot a limit. Better yet, you could not stick a goose call in his hands and just give him a flag, and he's still probably going to shoot a limit on those days that you're done in 30 minutes. But guy, you guys think that you're a god. But when, when in reality... You want to get a you want to see how the the uh, hunting IQ of a guy? Stick him stick him on a tough field where he's got to change a few things to kill birds, and that's where it's fun for me. I enjoy those days. I enjoy those challenges where you'll get one big flock that do it, but you'll have two that flare off, and you got to figure out what you got to tweak in your spread to to get those others to come in. That's where I find the most enjoyment. But that's what bonds the guys together is they they see it all. They see everything going, and they, and they kind of learn a little bit maybe. But there's a struggle there whenever, whenever you're scratching away at birds. Well, the scratching away days are the ones, like you said, the customers seem to enjoy that. I mean, you, sh- you, you, you got eight but you guys. But you were talking about the guys having stories. I think yes. that they have stories because, you know, they saw the struggle, and maybe they helped move decoys around. Right. Or, if you got eight guys and you yeah. shoot – 50 birds, we'll just say. that's not, we'll, just, we'll use that as the, the generic limit right now. 50 birds, and they do it in 30 minutes. They probably shot four flocks, three flocks, and it was done. Right. Probably right there in your face. The guys that shoot 35 or 36 birds, eight guys, and they probably got to shoot it. Groups of three, fours, fives, twos, ones. Mm-hmm. They got to shoot a bunch. Right. They got to see different results, for, like you said, from different flocks. Right. And it, because the same generic birds that get up off the roost, they fly straight to you, and they don't even circle. They just set their wings and come right in and do it on a good day. Well, it's the same thing four times in a row, except everybody shot birds. Right. Where those different, those threes and twos and ones and fives and fours, that's then they add up, mm-hmm. and that's the ones the guys like. You know, and the funny thing about those days is, is that guy that you got in the group that's the clock watcher. Two o'clock, two o'clock, four <laughs> yeah. o'clock, noon, midnight, noon, noon. Yeah. And they, they, I told a joke this year in the blind, and it I got a lot of bad looks. But uh, <clears throat> a guy a guy said, "Oh, birds at two thirty, and maybe it was Blake that said it had said it first. But I'm like, "Oh, you gotta go to the dentist if you're two thirty." Jeff didn't think it was funny either. No, no. There's there's there. Some groups you can really grab. You can, we've got clients that we've got the same groups that have hunted with us for a long time. So we got a lot of groups that you can cut up with and you have a hard, you can get a hard time. Then you got the guys that have no personality at all when things ain't going right. 2.30. You got to go to the dentist if you're 2.30. <laughs> I see, it's not even funny though. It's cheesy. You know, speaking of monkeys, you know, I had a guy, Luke Musgrove from Great Bend, Kansas, work for us, and his dream was to have a guy, a monkey, yeah. as a retriever. Boo Boo Mancini. Boo Boo Mancini. Could you? That would be a tip getting machine. That would be, everybody would be like, Man. nobody gives a shit about monkeys. Move on. No, no, they would on that deal. No, no, no. Everybody would be like, nobody Gosh, cares. Dang, we went to Stanfield's hunt. Did you get a hunt with a monkey? Hell yeah. That would be the greatest Boo Boo Mancini. <laughs> nobody cares about the monkeys. We've oh, already Boo-Boo established Mancini. that. Yes, they do. They're not evolved enough to pick up the birds. Yeah, they probably could. They just can't do heart surgery. Nobody gives a shit about the monkeys. Move forward. Andy's got his panties in a wad over the monkeys. Nobody did, Nobody had my back. I had three people that said, hey, Andy, we agree with you. I had a bunch of people text me and told me you were a fucking idiot. No, they didn't. Yeah, they did. No, you didn't. No, they yes, didn't. I did. I was not going to say no names. Pete Peterman. Oh, thanks a lot, Pete. <laughs> if you could change anything about the hunting season, year in and year out, if you could have birds, 
Well, we won't put birds because you got to have birds. Wind, cold weather, dry fields. What would you take? You already got the birds here. Cold weather. Cold weather. Well, no, like I've got all the birds that I want. The birds are going to be here all year long. What's the, what's the biggest factor? You want dry fields, Ooh. wind. Well, I mean, you're not setting anything up. Like if I take wind, are the fields going to be shitty? It's going to be a shitty year. What's the biggest in, in fantasy land for a guide? What is the most if you had if you could pick one thing to have, what would it be? Dry fields or wind? Well, I mean, dry fields because that's a ton of work walking all that shit in. And that's why people like hunting in West Texas because we have dry fields and we can drive right into where we're going. Yeah, it's funny. People, mostly the Louisiana guys, the first time they hunt up here. Yeah. Like, do we need waders? No. Is Noah coming again and building an ark? Hell no. We ain't going to, unless it rains that day you're here, you're going to be good because it can rain five inches here and two days later, we got dust blowing. Yep. So dry fields, but the guys from everywhere from south and east, everywhere else, they're expected to drive in the mud and the muck. And we just don't have it much. I couldn't imagine that. Oh, it'd be terrible having to walk in all the time mm. up to your ass in mud and muck. And maybe I'm just not hardcore. Maybe that's what it is. I had a guy going to snow goose hunt last year, and he told me that they he went to South Texas and said that they were hunting and they laid on a dry spot in the middle of a flooded field and he's covering fire ants. Ooh. He says on his waders and everything. Ooh. Oh, it'd be a miserable fucking deal. No, you know they're, they're, you. We're, we're, I'm gonna change. It's just got me thinking about something. Well, hold on. I was gonna ask you a, okay. Sof- a Sophie's choice on okay. a what if. I can't remember what it was now. I guess it wasn't that important. Motherfucker. So, so go ahead. It'll come to me. Just about how things have evolved. When I first got in the hunting business, our biggest competition for hunting in West Texas was South Texas. I don't care if a group called me from California, if a group called me from New Jersey, from Louisiana, from wherever it was, Memphis, it was, hey, tell me, Mr. Stanfield, why I should hunt with you in West Knox City, Texas, or go hunt at Eagle Lake. Eagle Lake is the famous South Texas Katy Prairie of yep. South Texas was the, was the place to hunt in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and even in the 80s even. And I would tell people the same thing. Do you want to decoy hunt birds or do you want to pass shoot birds? Now, before all you snow goose gurus get all excited and worked up, I'm not saying that snow geese don't ever decoy, but they don't decoy like a Canada goose does. We all know that. And it's, now I'm not talking about these e-callers and 25,000 decoys. I'm talking about regular season snow goose hunting. So you're not talking about spring? No, I'm talking about before they even had a conservation season. Okay. And they would ask me and I would tell them decoy hunting, but where I'm getting at was, and I've been to South Texas and hunted. I've hunted Eagle Lake in the 80s, and it was amazing, the birds and stuff down there. It's hard to believe all those birds are gone just about. Evolution. That's what it is. Well, and, two, I mean, aren't, aren't they kind of going through a drought similar to similar well, to us? Or No, that, their problem is is most of their food sources and stuff have become, rice. become neighborhoods. Oh, the Katy Prairie, Katy, Texas. Now I don't know how many people live there. I would guess a couple hundred thousand people. Right. But I, I saw a post ten years ago. A guy said, "Oh my God, this is my favorite playa." Like, well, well, it's a damn elementary school with a wow. little water hole around it and five thousand houses. That's not happening in Knox City. And I think some of them farmers down there cashed in selling land by the square foot they bought by the acre. Right. But the, the Houston just moved and, and, and engulfed all that. 
But I don't know with the weather patterns the way it is because I don't know if southern Louisiana holds a bunch of geese anymore like it used to. Well, I mean, you know, southern Illinois used to be the, the mecca, and now it's nothing. It's a speckle-belly place I think, now. I think it's kind of coming – well, speckle-bellies are just fucking exploding. They are. And we're just now – we're just now figuring that out. The state of Texas, if you're listening, rumor is you're going to give us three birds in Haskell and Knox County next year. Do it. It should have been done 10 years ago. We are overpopulated with speckle bellies. Do you think they'll cut down on the days if they give us the third speckle belly? No, I don't think so. Really? I think Utah can shoot eight of them in California. You people that are listening in Utes, Utah and California – how many, how many specs can y'all shoot? Send send us a letter. Send Jeff a letter. Yeah, Nobody send, sends me a send letter. me a message. I think that in I think that ducks are eight in California too. I think Pacific Flyway, so probably Washington, Oregon also can shoot eight ducks. Eight speckleberries. No, I think they can also shoot eight ducks instead of six. I think the Pacific Flyway gets eight ducks. I don't think it's eight speckleberries everywhere, but I'm pretty sure Utah does have eight limits on specs. Wow. And it goes to like February 18th or something. They have it's an extended season, I believe. Really. I believe so. Speckle belly is a, is a neat bird. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful goose. Oh, I hate them. Yeah, I know you hate them, but they're a beautiful goose. But I think I hope we can shoot three of them next year. That would be nice. That is one of my goals is to get a biologist on here. You know what? Maybe we could get one, and it would be the guy who's going to tell us we're going to get three speckle bellies. Well, maybe. That would be the guy. We are going to have a special guest on Friday's podcast. We're going to have Wyman Menzer on, and I don't know if anybody if, – if you're outside of Texas, you may not know who Wyman is, but if you Google Wyman Menzer, you will find out that he is a world-famous photographer from Benjamin, Texas, right in our backyard. He is a man that was born 100 years too late. Him and his brother built a dugout uh, four or five years ago that is absolutely – should be a museum piece. They built it on their land. He is a trapper. He is a graduate of Texas Tech University. He was a professor at Texas Tech University. He gave the graduation speech a couple of years ago at Texas Tech. Last week at this time, he was signing one of his 12th book or something at the George, uh, not W, what's the other one? George H. George H. Yes, George H. Bush's Presidential Library, which I believe is in College Station. Um, he, he's, he's a... Very interesting fellow, been all over the world, been all over the United States. The greatest ranches takes pictures. But anyways, he's going to be our guest on the next podcast, and we'll be a little, we won't talk much waterfowl probably. We'll talk a little bit, but we'll talk about Wyman's a hunter, a trapper, and he's a neat guy, and you need to Google him. He's got if you if you're a fan of books with pictures, he is a great, great, great read and a great, a very interesting man. They have a, an official name for those kind of books. What are they called? Picture books. Oh, okay, it's a picture book then. <laughs> You want to throw that in? <laughs> I'm gonna call, I'm gonna bring that up with Wyman and see if he corrects you if there's another name. He probably will. <laughs> he is a professor at Tech. You just graduated from Tech. Oh, go Red Raiders! No, oh, we get to start that here pretty quick. What, what else, else we got on the hunting see, hunting deal to talk about? It's pretty quiet. What else going on right now? They're getting ready for stuff. Just getting your decoys painted and cleaned up a little bit. What? Are you getting off season stuff? Oh, what do you need off to do? season Prepare, off preparations. Season. Uh. Yeah, you know, get them washed up, get them stored away. You don't want mice, you know, doing what they do and eating them and all that other good stuff. So get them washed, get them, get them stored, and then no, uh, um, I painted up a whole bunch of black and whites a couple years ago. But you know, just 
kind of look at them. If, if they need some TLC, give them it. But if not, just store them up, put them in a bag, and make sure your mice don't eat them. The main thing is your blinds because mice will, if you've got any straw left over in it, they'll get in it and eat a hole in your blind. Speaking of straw and blinds, me and Andy come back from Saskatchewan hunting one time, and we were told that we could not bring any grass. If you had any grass in your blinds, yep. that they would turn you back at the border, and you'd have to go clean them all off before they let you in the United States. So That is, that is true. We had 16 blinds that were full of grass. Oh, we brushed them in perfect. And we had to take every one of them off. Every stitch of grass. Got to the got to the border. Got, opened them up. Or didn't even open didn't up even the trailer. Didn't even open up the trailer. I said, you just opened up the trailer? Nope. I said, we got blinds in there. That's okay. Turn right. around. Walked on down the road. Roll on, Texan. It's like, God almighty. Roll on. Spent an hour taking all that damn brush out. And they would have been brushed at home. Right, they'd have been perfect for at home. Hunting edgerows. Woo. And got all the way back to the border. And drove eight hours to get there. I was so happy to see that U.S. flag. Yeah, Canada really does not appreciate the American. I think the Canadian the little towns do and the locals. I just don't think the, the Canadian Those, government does not appreciate what, no way. What, what, what we bring them. Nope. Deuces, Canada. I will stay my happy Texas ass right here in the U.S. of A. I don't need to shoot them in September. I'll shoot them in November, and I'll shoot more of them. Do you think that if things keep going the way they are, we'll be able to have an open border with Canada to take for hunters? Do you think they're going to keep pushing American hunters away? Mm, no, they're making it harder for you to get across the border. They are. No, I, I think it'll. I think things will continue to go the way they are. Not many people appreciate Americans. They just like our money. Yeah, they do do that, but the government don't. What? They don't really care for much for the money. Oh, well, I know that, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they do, but they sure make it hard. It's really good for the communities. Those little towns out oh, on the prairie. Yeah. That's a bonus of six weeks worth of people coming in. Restaurant, everything. Yep. Gas. I remember we got gas in Saskatchewan, and I didn't... Up there, I think everything must be a full service. Uh, Yeah, Went to pump was. gas, and this little kid come out about 16 years old. Well, he will beat your ass yeah. if you touch that pump. Well, what are you doing? Pumping gas. That's my job. You try to make me lose my job? <laughs> no. I'm sorry. I figured it's the American way. <laughs> this is the way it is in 2018 in America, bitch. Yeah, he was. He was not real happy. Just chill. Didn't realize we were stepping back 30 years. I had a, I had a guy message me this week and wanted to know when we're going to get Ed on the podcast. Speaking of getting all the decoys and everything ready for the year. Uh, it is our resident do-it-yourself or fixer-upper guy at the lodge. I was like, well, I don't know if Ed will be on here much. Ed's more, he's good on visual when, when you can see what he's talking about, but just putting him on air, a little tough, a little tough to decipher. You got to try reading his text messages. They're real simple because it's just the way he says them. You got to sound, you sound it out and that's what he, that's literally what he means. What W-T, W-U-T? Do, D-U. Do, D-U. <laughs> yep. Anyways, it's been a pretty good little podcast, just kind of touching up on some things. I would like to thank Dive Bomb Industries, our sponsor. If you're looking for silhouettes, people, these are the people to look it up. Look up. They got a mallard silhouette that's excellent. They're flocked head Canada geese, by far the best silhouettes I've ever seen in my life. The stake systems work great. That's Dive Bomb Industries. Look them up at divebombindustries.com. And they're durable as shit. I mean, you can you can drag them through whatever, and they they will take the punishment. 
You know, and, and for the guy that's a do-it-yourselfer and you hunt on weekends, you hunt maybe eight, ten times a year, we use that silhouette every day. We hunt every day from around November 10th till Thanksgiving. We take off Thanksgiving Day. We usually hunt the day after Thanksgiving to December 23rd. We take off three days at Christmas, two days at New Year's. So we're hunting 85 to 95 days on them same decoys, and they look just like they did the day we started with them. Yep. And the flocked heads, you want that contrast in your decoy. So that dark, dark flocked head, and, you know, it just it really sticks out in your field. Go look them up. They're worth it. And they're not that freaking expensive either. No, they're the best best money you can spend in the hunting business right now yeah. on decoys or in the waterfowl business. 100%. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening in. I'm Jeff Stanfield. You can look me up at jstanfield68 on, on Instagram, or you can look me up on Facebook at Jeff L. Stanfield, or you can look us up at our website at stanfieldhunting.com. Anyways, thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a great day. I'm not even going to plug my Instagram. Nobody sends me messages anyway. Have a good one. Oh, son of a bitch. We just got done rapping and realized that we didn't pick a winner for the Tumblr giveaway. We brought it up, but we never got back around to it. So, without further ado, the winner is lucky number one. And no, not you, Blake Poppy, because you commented invalid. Your comment was invalid. You commented turkey buzzard, trying to trip up the poor folks. Turkey buzzard was not the phrase that pays. It was quill lake goose. And the first person to correctly uh, put their comment in the comment section was Nick Marshall. So congratulations, Nick Marshall. If you will send us a private message with your with your shipping information, we will get that right out to you. So good try, Poppy, but it didn't cut it this time. So anyway, thank you all who participated in that. Nick, we'll get it right out if you'll send us a message. Thanks. Bye.